Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us as the second hour is underway. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We have a big discussion coming up on the Saints and the Buccaneers as our NFL team-by-team preview continues with the NFC South. We have a note on the Patriots' offense, what to watch for this coming weekend, and a note from their joint practice with the Panthers where more fights are breaking out and why. And our SEC conversation today, we head down to Baton Rouge, LSU, and an over-under that I find very intriguing. Dave Hookstead from OutKick joins us in about an hour and a half. Um, guys, there's uh, plenty of, of headlines and, and takes from the uh, NFL joint practices. Uh, no major offensive fireworks for the 49ers today uh, against the Vikings. They have a joint practice taking place just outside of Minnesota at the Vikings practice facility. But Trey Lance has been uh, continuing the, the good play uh, with Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel, and Kittle. All of those guys, uh, all the stars are on the field for the 49ers, and apparently Trey Lance continues to, to have very consistent play. Um, outside of that, Kirk Cousins returned. He had COVID. He missed the preseason game. He's back for the Vikings. Justin Jefferson, there was a tweet uh, from one of the play, uh, one of the, the media members covering the Vikings saying, Justin Jefferson looks great uh, in that. And J.C. Horn uh, is returning to um, uh, form prior to his injury that kept him out of a good portion of the offseason and last year for the Panthers. He's back for Carolina off PUP. How about Drew Locke gets COVID? He was slated to get his start um, at quarterback for the Seahawks and now yields that to Geno Smith, uh, probably screwing up whatever chance he had to wrest that job from the favorite in Seattle. On uh, Not well timed for him. Packers defense and the uh, Saints defense both uh, had great days today in their joint practice work. And uh, Alave, the rookie receiver, should point him out. Um, he's playing well for New Orleans in this work. Um, it was uh, Dobbs. I'm trying to remember his name. Romeo Dobbs, for the, the wide receiver for the Packers. He came up with two big grabs in the joint uh, work against the Saints defense. This is a day after Aaron Rodgers publicly called out the young receivers saying they need to be more consistent. They're dropping too many passes. So Rodgers went straight to the, uh, straight to the media availability and said, step up your game, and, and Dobbs has done that uh, at least one day in. It's a great story that. right now. Cowboys and Chargers practicing right now. Uh, if anything develops, we'll let you know. Um, so the college football playoff, we, we've had the discussion pretty much know three of the teams that will be in the college football playoff, should be in the college football playoff. Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. In any order you want to frame that discussion, I think 90% of college football fans would agree with that. 
Um, the others would be the uh, fans, fan bases of the rivals that those three schools would be facing on an annual basis. The preseason top 25 we heavily discussed on Monday from the AP, every college football playoff champion has come from the preseason top six since we've seen the college football playoff in its current form. So the top six right now, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Notre Dame, Texas A&M. Outside of the top six guys, and really, I, I agree, it's a top three. Outside of the top six, who could break the trend this year as you look at the teams ranked below the six that we project to be playing for the actual crown? I, I, I just took it this way. Like, I looked at a team I think everybody likes outside of the top six, which happens to be seventh, Utah. And I thought, like, well, what would it take for them to get in for starters? Uh, you know, maybe they could lose one, right? A one-loss Utah team, depending on what goes on ahead of them there. Be tough to get into the top four, though, because the best teams on their schedule are Florida, USC, who's 14 now, and Oregon, 11. So I think even a one-loss Utah is dependent on what goes on with those top four, top six ahead of them at the beginning. And could they get in there and win it? I mean, basically, for a team like Utah, and a, a team like Utah is in the pack 12 now, so it's not a small-time team. You have to get in and get hot and be on a run. It's almost like a March Madness feel to it in terms of the upset level. But you're not a Cinderella in terms of where you come from. Well, I think that they're definitely a Cinderella in that, oh, that, based, that, that program yeah. based on the powerhouses you get what we're I'm talking saying. about. They're not coming from I'm the not convinced, or something. I'm not convinced they're going to go to Florida and win to start the season. I think if they do that, they've got a great chance. Because keep in mind, there is a Pac-12 championship that's played at Allegiant Field, we were just talking about in Vegas, where they could have two wins over USC, let's say. You know, if they beat them out of the South in the championship game, even with a loss, I think it would give but them a chance. where's USC ranked at that point? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think you – look, I'm looking at teams that could contend. I would put USC on the list. So I think both Utah and USC I would put in a top four or five outside the top six that could be a playoff team given schedule, given roster. I'm going to go with one. Everyone's talking about the guy who left Oklahoma. And that is Lincoln Riley. Everyone's talking about Caleb Williams, another guy who left Oklahoma to go to Hollywood and play at USC. And USC is this sexy, hot team with those two. I'm going to go with a guy who came to Oklahoma and then who stayed behind. And another guy who came to Oklahoma from somewhere else. The Oklahoma Sooners, that's the answer for me. They're ninth right now preseason. You look up and down their schedule, very, very winnable. Outside of a game at home against Texas at TCU, they go to Nebraska, which will be challenging. It was a year ago in Norman. They have Baylor at home, who's right behind them at number 10 in the preseason, and they get Oklahoma State at home, both coming to Norman, who's 12th right now. I think that's going to be your Big 12 representative. Not that that surprises anyone. Oklahoma is no one Cinderella based on their history getting the college football playoff yep. and being a contender. But give me Dylan Gabriel, who threw for over 3,500 yards as a freshman and sophomore for Josh Heupel at UCF, gets hurt his junior year, 
now transfers in. He's going to be the starter. Guys, he may be the better quarterback between Caleb Williams and him. Oklahoma may get the better deal out of this in the end, this season, with Dylan Gabriel at, at Oklahoma. Uh, that may sound like a hot take to some, but go back and watch Dylan Gabriel at UCF. They're not going to have some big drop-off offensively at Oklahoma. I, I think the Sooners are primed to be, it sounds funny with Oklahoma, but be kind of a sleeper team because I don't think the Big 12 is that good. And I look around the conference and their schedule, and I see maybe one loss at the end of the year in well, a Big 12 championship. I, I, I'm with you on, on Oklahoma being pretty good this year, but the same reason that the Big 12 is not very good is why I think USC can make a run. And I'm basing this off of coaching, but more importantly, elite quarterback play. Caleb Williams is that. Um, the, the unquestioned better player last year at Oklahoma and follows his coach and the continuity to USC and is ready for the big stage. But um, I, I thought that was too easy here for an outside-the-box sleeper. NC State is one to watch, uh, and it's because of their quarterback. You want to talk about best quarterbacks? Uh, Devin Leary gets it done. 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, uh, they have, what, the two-overtime win last year against Clemson, beating them for the first time in eight or nine years. They returned practically everyone on both sides of the football. They had a top 30 scoring offense and a top 30 scoring defense last year. And they have the elite quarterback play that can spin it. They're coming off a nine-win season. They could have their second 10-win season, I believe, in program history coming up with the expectations that they have. And if you believe that they're a 10-2 team, then they're right in the thick of things with a possession-like game against Clemson, who's already uh, been crowned a, a college football playoff contender this year. I think we're overlooking the Wolfpack a bit, although they have been given a lot of credit in the last two polls, the, the coaches poll and the AP poll. People are aware of them. And they shouldn't sneak up on anyone ranked, or what, 14th or wherever they end up right now. But guys, this is, a, this is a team that I think is better than what we actually believe because they had, was it UCLA that backed out on the bowl game with them last year as they were traveling west? And, yes. And they wanted to end on a high note. I think Dave Doran is still ticked off about that if you asked him about it. And he believes that the continuity that they have and the quarterback play that didn't leave, that's back to run it back, I'm, I'm intrigued to watch them because I, I do think some of the, the, the star power and the upperclassmen can carry them. Again, it's a pipe dream-like scenario for them or any of the schools we mentioned because, unfortunately, if you're playing for the, the championship, it's coming down to Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Yeah, I it, it was, it the was question not. could be maybe better frame, like who could get into the four because once you're in the four, uh, you're not going to win. It's the uh, the holiday bowl was canceled. U UCLA was the, was the opponent for NC State with all of that. Yeah, the question now. there is like, are we convinced Clemson just gets right back into no. the swing of things after a really no, down and that's year? Why I think we were that's, surprised they came up ten spots from where they finished last year. I think that's why you're throwing NC State in there as, as their yeah, as said, their replacement. Yeah. Like I, I think they're returning more proven commodities to their roster. And I think they have a bit of a, a chip on their shoulder. And they just beat Clemson a year ago in double overtime. It's a great game. But 35 touchdowns to five picks over the season. I mean, Hendon Hooker, that, that's, Hendon Hooker was excellent at Tennessee coming off the bench. That, those were his type numbers. 
where he threw, what, three picks total? Yeah. Th- I mean, it was like 30 and three was the split. If you protect the football and you have a top 30 scoring defense in college football, that, that's, that's efficient and, and it's consistent play. Um, yeah, we could have the conversation about getting into the four, but the, the stat is one of yeah. the six wins the championship well, in the preseason AP. I, when none of, I'm glad that none of us picked USC in this exercise, but listen to USC's schedule. Yeah, go yeah, run it down. By the way, they're picked middle of the Pac-12. I mean, tell me, there's two games, that there's one big X factor at the end of the year that I'll get to, but here's their schedule. They open at home against Rice. They go to Stanford, who's been way down. They get Fresno State at home. Fresno State's a good non-Power 5 team, but it's a non-Power 5 team. They go to Corvallis to take on the Beavers of Oregon State. They get Arizona State at home. Terrible. Arizona teams are awful this year. And almost every year, every year. recently. But, but, that, but again, like, yeah. just awful. They get Washington State at home, who Washington State should be pretty good, but you get them at home. They go to Utah. That's a big one, October 15th. They go to Arizona, easy win. They get Cal at home, should be a win. They get Colorado at home, easy win. Yep. They play at UCLA, rivalry game, not that tough of a UCLA team, unranked. Now, the X factor is they close the season out with Notre Dame, who's a top five team to open the, open the season. But that could be for a playoff spot. Two new coaches. Based on the poll. I mean, I look at that schedule and think two losses is disappointing in year one for Lincoln Riley. But I keep think in mind, one, one so, loss is a great season. Two losses, you're probably saying this is where yeah, we could have done, done better. better. <laughs> yeah, could, yeah, could, we yeah. could be in the could be in the playoffs. And we'll, we'll get into this with Dave Hookstead later. Notre Dame could be playing for a playoff spot against USC right there. Well, they're going to be favored right now. They're I, I haven't looked at the, all the Vegas lines. I'm guessing they're favored in every game but two at but, Utah, and Notre Dame at home. So Notre, and that may be a, a that's point effective, toss, like right now. Hypothetically, that could be for the Irish a chance with a, a loss or two, depending on how the season plays out to get in as a four, as the fourth team with a win over USC because you're not playing the conference championship game. Meanwhile, USC, based on the new rules of the Pac-12, they will play the number two, if they're number one, they will play Utah again. It's not based on divisions. They've done or away with Oregon. it. So, yeah, so you will face the top two teams, win-loss record and any other algorithm they're coming up with. They will face off for the for their conference championship game so you get the best possible opponents which is perfect and I mean, that's a I, I great win that. for whoever wins that game but USC, it's a great win yeah but if usc gets notre dame and they remain unbeaten going into oregon or utah for the game that is massive and what a year that would be for lincoln riley and caleb williams if that's the storyline that plays out there's always it's something. funny that they ranked so lowly in the in the pac-12 voting Given yeah, that were, schedule like third and or given fourth. the quarterback and the coach, yeah, they were picked third or fourth in their in their division. But that also, t- I mean, they're, they they won four games a year ago, so yeah. That's but like we're saying, you know, Clemson got automatic bounce back after a down year. The record wasn't that bad, I don't suppose. No, Clemson. I mean, but Clemson had a a great defense. I mean, they were losing games, but they're losing fourteen to six. And they lost their five-star, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but their five-star interior defensive lineman who was an absolute wrecking ball early in the year. And the guy still got all conference votes after playing five games, I think. And I'm 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 blanking on his name right now, but he's going to be back. Their defense can be good. I, I just and I don't think I'm being overly biased about the quarterback position, but I'm putting a lot of stock in who your quarterback is. Yeah, going okay. to the year, well, yeah. everybody should. Yeah, and, and, and Oklahoma's I, good. I, I don't like Clemson's quarterback. I no. just don't. 
And I don't know that there's a big turnaround for him, even though he's a former five-star guy. So I, I love Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. The yeah. other teams we're talking about. I mean, I, obviously Caleb Williams at at, uh, at USC. Th- those are guys to watch. I'm not putting Clemson as a quarterback situation to watch. Well, so uh, we we haven't discussed this, but it just popped in my head. So of, of the top six, which team do you think falls uh, further down at the end of the year? I, I think Who of the were candidates. Five and six? Uh, I think Notre Dame for me Notre is, Dame's is, five. is my pick. And it, that's nothing against Marcus Freeman. It's just, I mean, they're opening up against Ohio State. I think the Buckeyes win that by three possessions plus uh, when it's all said and done. And, you know, I'm not sold on Clemson, but Notre Dame's schedule to me, is when you look at it, I, I think they could do the furthest, they could have the, the, the furthest drop. A&M is going to be around. A- a- A&M, though. I, They're going to hang around that top 10 I'm gonna mark, give though. I'm going to give honorable mention to them. Their defense is going to allow them to hang around. But I'm going back to the, the quarterback protocol here, and they don't really know quite don't yet know. Yeah. who their quarterback even is. But, so, but the key. They're, they're an honorable mention for me in that top six that could free fall. I vote by for the a, the a Clemson-Notre Dame elimination game. Just play, well, them, play them together? If they join head, the ACC, head, we, heads up. We let's get rid of one of them there. A um, and M. The key for A and M is A chain. Um, I, I think he is an outside candidate for Heisman, um, based on his skill level and the fact that he's not going to be splitting carries with Spiller anymore. It's I, I think they're giving him the rock as much as possible, and he can. We we saw it firsthand, Chad. A chain moves the chains. He. It's very A and M. Oddly enough, is a very Georgia-like yeah. system in that y- you may not need a dominant, high-level quarterback to win and win big at A&M if you continue to recruit defensively the way they, they, they're doing at A&M right now. Just, just like at Georgia, they got Stetson Bennett at quarterback who does exactly what's asked of them, and they won a national championship. Maybe A&M can be the same way. Jimbo Fisher's lone national title at Florida State came with Jameis Winston at quarterback playing a pro-style system where I remember the next year, I think, after the national championship, they lose to Marcus Mariota in Oregon in the in the playoff. And that was, at, at the time, and still is, you get a college quarterback that can run, and you're running with a quarterback. They weren't really doing that with Jameis Winston when they won the national title. They don't appear to want to do that right now offensively under Jimbo Fisher. So... Same thing goes for Georgia. We well, know it can work. You know they're going to throw right the players. football when yeah. you know Chargers are getting dropped on their top wide receiver. Um, the, the same guy who uh, what didn't show up because of an arrest at SEC Media Days quickly. He's back in the mix, no problem. Yeah, College Station PD just looked yeah. at that. And it's said, time to guys. Let's let's not. Although act Lucci, yeah. Billy Lucci told me he's like uh, this. There there was there's a lack of a detail in this report that doesn't really add up so uh to be fair i haven't read through the entire story i just noticed he's practicing and there's no suspension so yeah. saul goodman showed up at the yeah. arraignment and yeah. got got him out of it um it, it's going to be a, a fun season to follow at AM later we will take a look at brian kelly at lsu and give our thoughts on the upcoming season for the tigers when we come back we head back to the nfl buccaneers and saints we will discuss Tom Brady's Bucks, Jameis Winston's Saints, and preview the rest of the NFC South on Outkick 360.
Oh, Kick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Taking a look at uh, each NFL team, our series through each division continues as we finish off the NFC South. We're seeing one team right here in Nashville with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we start today's preview with the New Orleans Saints, where last year they really had no business being in contention the way they were. Uh, they, they were 9-8. and eight. COVID wiped them out in one of these games. And then the week after, uh, the, the league changed their COVID protocols and uh, screwed them out of some starters who felt fine but tested positive. Sean Payton is gone. Dennis Allen is a head coach again. They, they suffered a ton of injuries, including Kamara. Uh, they played four different quarterbacks last year. Winston is coming off a torn ACL. Andy Dalton's now his backup. Uh, they wanted Deshaun Watson. They lost out when the Browns came back over the top with the guaranteed contract. Michael Thomas is back. He's practically missed all of the last two years. But the year that he actually finished the full season, he set a new reception mark prior to Cooper Cup uh, with over 150 receptions on the year through the 16 games that he played. They've added Chris Olave. They added Jarvis Landry. They have Trevor Penning now at tackle, and uh, he's replacing Teron Armstead, which is going to be a big loss for them. But guys, this is a team that overachieved despite injuries. It sounds a lot like the Titans, minus the musical chairs at quarterback. That's the one injury they didn't have to go through here in Nashville. One team went through a record number of players and still somehow had the number one overall seed. The Saints went through four different quarterbacks, and ultimately lost out on any playoff chance because the injuries caught up to them, despite I thought was a very good coaching job. I think there's room to regress, and it starts with Sean Payton to Dennis Allen. I mean, uh, the, yeah. it, Sean Payton's one of the best um, there is. Uh, he, he did great work with quarterbacks and offensive scheme. Pete Carmichael's a guy who has been in the background for them for a long, long time. So we'll see what he does in terms of crafting an offense. But he's doing it with Jameis Winston. I'm not a believer there. And uh, I like the offensive weapons, weaponry that they added. Alave and Jarvis Landry and a healthy Michael Thomas and would Camara. be terrific. Kamara could still get suspended for what he did in Las Vegas. That case is we haven't heard a word about, but it's not closed as far as we know. No, in fact, it's so not that even hangs closed. Over they, their keep, head. they keep pushing it back. I so. think the next key date in that case is late October at some well, point. Well, I'm talking personal conduct policy-wise. It's certainly not closed. And every and they report could do I'm seeing is that time. he's probably not going to get suspended this year. That'll be a six-game suspension they expect next, next the next yeah, season. It's crazy. They and, need him to play so he can make the Pro Bowl and play in that game, too. Uh, yeah, Andres got up those Pro Bowl ratings. Is, Go a, on. is a weak link on the interior defensive line and and the one thing that is bound to get worse for them, red zone defense last year, 43.5% touchdown rate, which is excellent. That's the kind of number that tends to come back to balance. They're probably going to give up more touchdowns when teams get down inside the 20. They had a great scoring defense last year. Yeah. I mean, they, they were top, they've top had two a, or top three in that category. They've had a top four rush defense for the last four seasons. Uh, and Demario Davis, a big part of that, a guy we interviewed at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, I like this team. Cam Jordan, uh, Marcus Davenport on the edge. Honey the, Badger. The defense is going to be really good again. It was we just mentioned it was great a year ago. Um, look, Jameis Winston, 
can be a little bit goofy at times, and his play can be erratic at times. But he's a hell of a lot better than Trevor Simeon and all the guy and Ian Book. Sorry, Colin, our resident, our uh, producer and resident Notre Dame fan. But they're going to have an upgrade at quarterback. Chris Olave is a great pick, terrific player at receiver from Ohio State. They're going to be upgraded. Jarvis Landry. They're upgrading at wide receiver, upgrading offensive line with a first round pick at, at right tackle. Uh, Paul, you mentioned it. The big referendum is going to come with Dennis Allen. And it's also a referendum on Sean Payton because if Dennis Allen takes the torch and improves and the Saints are a, a playoff team this year, I sound like playoffs, playoffs playoff team. Um, I like I like the Saints. I, I think they're right there for, you know, going to battle for a playoff spot this year. And maybe I'm, I'm falling in line with the people who are starting to slowly like Jameis Winston a little bit more uh, this past offseason, but I, th- I think the Saints I, have a shot to be pretty good. See, this is where Winston could either be. This would be a great um, Twitter poll. Like, do you, do you think that Winston is more likely the first quarterback benched in favor of his backup, or that he has like comeback player of the year type numbers? I think it's comeback player of the year. Well, if that's, I would if, lean so more to that side. If than that's getting the case, benched. if that's the case, then Trevor Penning ends up being the best draft pick that any team made in the first round. Um, and all he's been known for so far is getting into fights. Now, so so because they need to solidify their offensive line, right? With for Teron sure. Armstead, Armstead out, hurts. he's now in Miami. Um, pinning in the in just one preseason game, and but we're basing all this off of uh, numbers and actual live play. They wanted to get him some work. Um, he had he he had twenty six passing downs. Pinning did in his first preseason game, and he gave up a sack, a quarterback hit, three pressures, and had a penalty. Not so terrific. welcome to the NFL, yeah. to the guy. No not, fights. No so. fights. He was not ejected. Um, but the Saints are in, they're intriguing because Dennis Allen is there. The only thing that I have reservations on, if they're so good, Sean Payton doesn't leave. Sean uh, Payton got out before they started to really look bad. And deal with the salary that, cap. That, that's my feeling of it, is they, they kept kicking the can down the road with the cap and, and everything else. You had Kamara, and who knows what's going to happen this offseason with him. And again, like I, I just, Michael Thomas was in limbo. He's missed the last two years. It just felt like a good time to go do media for a year. And if it's, if it's that good, it's, like, it's, it's why Arians leaving is so strange. There's something going on there. Because you don't, if you're a coach in this league, you don't leave if you have a chance to win. It just doesn't happen. Saints are my barometer on the NFC and the quality of the NFC, which we know is not as good as the AFC with the plethora of good young quarterbacks in the AFC. If the Saints are in the playoff race, which they could well be, I think it's a testament to the NFC not being that good. If they're in it for the sixth spot, particularly not squeezing in at the seventh spot, which we know could be a weak team in either conference – if they're in it for the sixth spot, I say the NFC is not very good. Um, and if they aren't, then maybe maybe there are, are better teams are around and the Saints fall where I think they should be. Let's tier it like we have the other divisions. Uh, Bucks, who we're going to talk about. Clear but cut. in the middle, we talked, we talked Panthers yesterday. We've talked Saints. I think it's pretty clear cut. Falcons are in need of a high draft pick next year. They're fourth. How close is it between Saints and Panthers in the middle of that division? I don't think it's close. I think the Saints are the second, second best team. Yes, I do too. Right. Then I think and that's I'm not the case. Sure. they're going to be contending I, for a playoff I spot I think Atlanta-Carolina could be a contest for third. 
Tampa Bay, you guys know it's uh, our pick for the NFC South with Tom Brady returning, even though he's not there right now. He's going into his 23rd season. He's 45 years old. It feels like his last year, um, but we should say that. Do they have what it takes to get back to the Super Bowl? I think this is, you see the key additions. Todd Bowles is now the head coach. I found it interesting just observing Bruce Arians today. He's in Nashville with the team, and he stands right behind the ball, um, you know, 20 yards behind the ball. But he's, it's not like he's behind the the team and just observing like a general manager. He's, He's like Jim Schwartz for the Titans, where he's on the field and he's talking to people and he's, you know, giving observations. But Todd Bowles is is running the show. Byron Leftwich is definitely running the show on offense. And Tom Brady is, is running the show. Russell Gage is coming in from Atlanta. They have Shaq Mason on the offensive line. Akeem Hicks was uh, uh, he had a really good practice today. He's six four, six five, three hundred fifty pounds, I think. Paul, you got the roster right there. But I mean, he, he's massive. Uh, and I believe he's coming from Chicago, and that was. Uh, that's quite the addition to their defensive line because they've they have trimmed some of the exterior veteran guys like Jason Pierre-Paul is not playing for the Bucks this year, but they they have young guys. They drafted Tryon a year ago. Um, they added another uh, defensive lineman uh, this year. Uh, Logan Hall uh, is was one of their picks. Vita Vea is is still there. Stud. Um, Devin White is in a contract year at linebacker. I I like players in contract years. Gronk is retired. They added Kyle Rudolph. It's it's an interesting mix. What they have to have, to me, guys, to get back to where they were is a run game. Fournette's got to stay healthy. I don't know if he's their lead back, but he's got to be a difference maker on some key downs for them. Um, they have Giovanni Bernard. Keyshawn Vaughn, I was talking to someone from Tampa today. Keyshawn Vaughn may not make the roster based on how the practice is going. Um, so far, like the, it's it's a weird vibe in the backfield. They've got to figure out the run game because Brady threw more passes than any quarterback last year. That 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 has to tamp down a bit to have more success. They've got to grind games and actually have some time of possession instead of just relying on Brady to do everything. I agree about the run game, though. They're satisfied when they can't run it to take short passes as their run game one of those teams that's able to do that. Here's one thing. I think they need to fatten up on the division, right? They need to go five and one in the division. They have some trouble with the saints. Um, so, you know, you get a split there, beat up Carolina and Atlanta should be fine. Here's one thing. They, they faced the easy slate of quarterbacks last year, this year, and the divisional quarterbacks are bad, right? Carolina didn't have anybody. Atlanta didn't have anybody. The saints. I'm not a Jameis Winston guy. You're not scared of him game planning. But outside the division, Prescott, Rodgers, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow. That's a hell of a six-pack right there. All six, you have to look at those and say, those guys can stand toe-to-toe with Tom Brady in terms of a quarterback matchup. So you're not getting the automatic check mark in the quarterback column when you're reading the matchup, uh, matchup thing. So the defense has to be ready to defend some, some better quarterbacks than they beat last year. I'm curious where Byron Leftwich is is left after all this. If this is in fact Brady's last year, you know he he turned down the opportunity to go to Jacksonville, and I don't blame him. Um, has a chance to win a Super Bowl again as a Bucks offensive coordinator. He interviewed in New Orleans too. Yeah, I, I just wonder how he's going to be viewed 
you know, with being Brady's offensive coordinator, and then what's going to happen with Tampa this year? Uh, Paul, we did the draft last week of coaches that could be fired midseason. I had Todd Bowles on the list of guys because if you go from Arians to Bowles and it's bad quickly or they fall off, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a chance that it happens after one year. Would the left which be considered if the offense continues to perform at a high level? I'm just really curious about his future. I mean, look, the Bucks are, are – it's Tom Brady's the engine, and they're going to be fine this year. I think Rudolph coming in at tight end, veteran guy, not going to be Gronk from a safety net perspective for Brady and that relationship, but what can he be for the offense? Losing Ronald Jones at running back, what's that going to look like now with that rotation that they have? There, There's question marks there, but – the ultimate question mark is always going to be quarterback, and that's an emphatic yes when it's Tom Brady, even at 45 Here's years old. one other thing about them that really touches Brady. Last year, they were one of the top teams in the league with offensive line continuity. 88% of the snaps, their top five offensive linemen played together. This year, that number is going to be 0% of the snaps because Ryan Jensen got hurt, what, the fourth day of camp or whatever it was. And that's the... Yes. And, and so 0% continuity on the offensive line is not Tom Brady's way. Here's what Jensen meant to him. Brady, whenever he decided to come back, called Ryan Jensen, who was a free agent, and said, hey, what do you need me to do to get this done? I'll get it done. I'll make some calls and get your deal. What do you need? And within signed 24 hours, yeah, he's signed. Um, he wanted Jensen back, and then uh, I believe it was Aaron Stenny, former Tennessee Titans offensive lineman, uh, blocked a defensive lineman into Ryan Jensen. And I don't think Stenny uh, has been the full-time starter since in, in practice reps. Got like a depth he, chart he, here somewhere. They benched him, uh, or they're at least rotating uh, his position uh, after that practice. Here, did you, you see him immediately? He's, he's listed as a starter. Yeah, but they I but think you know, these are paper. Sure, they're unofficial. Um, and it, he was working with the starters. So, but that, they, I think as punishment, I mean, I'm yeah. – they're, They've got, you're they not happy run. with that. They put him with uh, Gabbert. Um, <laughs> or Trask. <laughs> yeah, or Trask. Um, one other note on, the, on Tampa. How quickly, I, I was thinking about this last night, how quickly I forgot how last season ended. Because they win the Super Bowl. And last year, they're put out by the Rams. But keep in mind, the Rams were up 27-3. to And Tom Brady brought them back Almost to tie finished. the game. And in a two-minute drill, Matthew Stafford stepped up. As Dockage would say, he sacked up and delivered a dart over the middle and a busted coverage to Cooper Cup that set up a game-winning field goal as time expired. That's how they lost. They came back down. They were down 24 points. It was a conversation the like the Super Bowl, the, the yes. Falcon Super Bowl. And, and had every, I mean, everything was like, Brady's doing it again. So I don't put it past him one bit to do it Again, as crazy as it sounds and it looks on paper and how daunting that it looks uh, as the quarterback battles that he'll have, I mean, you can't knock the guy out. The only way you can get him off the field is to offer him a vacation in week three of training camp. And listen, Rams, Packers scare you in the NFC if you're the Bucks. Who else? Cowboys? No. Well, you know, uh, you're not shaking in your boots at the three games you're going to have to win. Right. There are a couple of teams that are to be determined. For sure. But yeah, there's nothing. It's not a gauntlet. No, it's not the AFC by any means. It's nothing that Tom Brady can't handle, even with 10 days off during the middle yeah. of training camp. Still going to be fine. 10 days off. 
Tom Terrific will be just fine. We should have honored him and taken the same 10 days. <laughs> Everybody takes a, it's like a siesta. A Brady case. If, you, if you're in Spain, you, you just, if you cover the NFL, you now just take 10 days off in the middle of, tr- of training camp. Everyone goes dark. You know, if it's good enough for Tom Brady, then me, the uh, beat writer for the Buffalo Times, certainly could take 10 days off in the middle of training camp. For the same, right? <laughs> day one. Journal. Well, journal. You day know, one. You know what would be epic? Sand epic feels great on my job. And Brady has a sense of humor like this. If he, if he tweeted out well, on the day he's returning, if he tweeted out a photo from Stephen Ross's yacht from back in December and said, vacation's I'm over, back. I'm, I'm back. back. That would be funny. And he, he has a great ten, he thinks great, like that. The too. Michigan men are Terrific 10 days on the high seas. <laughs> the Michigan meeting is over. Which is a picture of the, yeah. But you could even, it's from a distance, but you can see if you zoom in, like the Dolphins <laughs> flag, the logo on top of the yacht. Michigan flag and a, a Dolphin flag. Be amazing. Or, you know, you sent out a video that you were out recruiting Gronk out of retirement. Do you, you think do that Goodell would no, like, discipline Tom Brady no. for d- making a joke like that? The NFL needs Brady. Or would Brady. they even talk to him? Look how, many, look how many national games they put him on. Oh, I asked the question because it's Brady. Oh, I know. If I it know. was anyone else, they would, uh, we would have Adam Schefter <laughs> receive word call. from a source that the NFL <laughs> has got a real hard call. line on this act- activity on social media. Commissioner yeah. called And them. they're not happy about it. They're, they're so ticked off, they're going to suspend Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know? Be someone else other than Brady. You know, we're so mad at Tom Brady that uh, Alvin Kamara just got you know, 12 I, games instead of so six. We're so mad at Tom for doing this. We're going to go for a full year on Deshaun Watson after right. a year of not doing anything. Get Calvin Ridley back in here. How many games yeah. did he bet on? That's two seasons now, <laughs> Indefinite Calvin. plus one. That's going to be, oh, you want a third? Yeah, that's three seasons <laughs> you're out. Just go ahead and retire. Coming up, a note on the Patriots' offense and observations from the preseason game and what Belichick's saying. And we'll get into LSU. If you're betting enough money to make you nervous, there's an over-under in Vegas that I think is very intriguing. And I'm not sure which way the majority of the public would go on it. That's all coming up on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Talk LSU football. Dave Hookstead from Outkick.com will join us. to talk Big Ten football uh, coming up in hour number three. Paul, biggest observation today watching Titans and Bucks would be what? Well, the Traylon Burks thing is probably the biggest that he left injured, but I, I'm going to um, differentiate um, the, the top two corners. Christian Fulton, good. Caleb Farley, bad. Um, and I think that's disappointing. Caleb Farley was very good yesterday. He had back-to-back breakups of passes to Racy McMath, uh, arriving right on time and playing big and physical. And then today, against some smaller receivers in particular, uh, slow reacting, slow breaking, not arriving on time, then getting back into the play and getting juked again, looked really disjointed and and out of it. Meanwhile, Christian Fulton looked like, you know, he picked up where he left off and he is clearly the number one guy for them and and they don't have to worry about that spot. Uh, Patriots preseason game, a quick note here. Um, Some of you may know this, others may not. I... I find it intriguing because it's a, it's something to follow in the preseason with Mac Jones. So New England, what they did is they had Matt Patricia call plays for Brian Hoyer. And they had Joe Judge call plays for rookie Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky. That was their model for how they approached offensive coordinator without having one. They 
did not show any new concepts that we discussed last week where they're doing all these new uh, outside zone reads when they're more like heavy hitters between the tackles with their running backs. Um, no, nothing of that sort in the first preseason game, which I found intriguing um, because they're definitely practicing that. That That is something that the best writers that cover that team are are pointing out from Mike Reese on down. They're pointing out the, the changes and adjustments that they're noticing at practice. So I, I just... I found it intriguing that Belichick's saying, look, it's not like we're... He, he did acknowledge he's, he doesn't think not naming a coordinator is any type of competitive advantage. He said he's not, he doesn't view it as, as a, competi- like a, a, a competition-type decision as to why he's not telling anyone who's doing it. The personal play callers is fascinating. It's something different. I don't recall ever hearing that in an NFL situation. But you said one for one for Hoyer, one for Zappy. One for Hoyer, one for Zappy. None of that matters because the guy's Mac Jones. So who's right, calling the right. plays for Mac well, Jones? Well, in practice, it's, it's been Patricia. It's it's interesting in a two quarterback system. Yeah. If you pull that off, it's like having a backup catcher who catches one pitcher in the rotation every five days. That 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 pitcher performs better with that catcher, and then they call pitches with them. Same thing goes for the quarterback and the play caller for the for the quarterback that's in the game. Hey. It's an interesting concept, but I mean, I, I'm not Bill Belichick, but not a lick of this makes any sense to me. I, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish here. Yeah, and the, the other theory was, you know, he was asked last week, what are your thoughts on scrapping something that's been a disaster? I'm paraphrasing that question. This question but, got results. And he said, if, if something, if we're not just going to run into a brick wall, if something's not working, if it's not productive, I'm changing it. Like there's no reason to continue doing something that's not working. And so the other theory was they've come to the realization that whatever they're trying to do in the run game is not working The change and that they changed it based on just going back to the basics of what they're doing. But still that it's way too much to read into to one freezing game where Mac Jones is, you know, you're not calling plays for him and you're watching, number twos and number threes go at it. And in large part, a lot of newcomers for that matter. So I don't know if I buy that yet, but it's been bad enough to where people were actually thinking maybe that's what they're doing. They're fighting a lot in the joint practice with um, Carolina. Carolina. And the reason for that stems back to the regular season game where uh, Brian Burns picked up a fumble or intercepted a pass last year and Mac Jones grabbed him and tried to twist his ankle as he tried to tackle him, but he didn't have the football. And Mac Jones said after the game, he thought he had the football and Hassan Reddick, a teammate at the time said that was a dirty play and brought all this up. Well, that has started like this firestorm trash talk fest at this joint practice. Jones at the heart of it months later. And, um, Mac Jones was funny about it. He was he was asked about, you know, are you and Brian cool? He's like, oh, yeah, we made up at the Pro Bowl. Like, everything's good. Like, no no hard feelings. He, he doubled down on the fact he thought he had the football. But still, he, he, if you, we remember the play. He twists his ankle, yeah. and people, you know, there was an uproar over it. Not saying the media. I'm saying in the game. Yep. And that has carried over to a lot of fights yesterday and today. Uh, and allegedly, One that injured a, an ankle of a fan. Today. And he said something to uh, – he said something to Burns yesterday on the field that, that started one of these fights that I can't imagine a reporter repeated. 
You read it on Twitter, Chad. I waited for it. It seemed like it I, was a fan account, probably. Yeah, I, well, it was I someone waited. who had like uh, uh, 2,000 followers, I want to say. Yeah. Maybe around that so number. So we've seen that confirmed by anybody? I waited for like it last night. Like a retweet by I, a reporter? No, it's a, it's a joke. Oh, okay. It's I, a fake account. I waited for it last night um, from Mike Reese. He was doing a, a hit on, on SportsCenter. He was recapping the day. I'm like, if it happened, He'll say Mike's going to mention about it. it. It'd be great if Mike actually read the the tweet that we read. <laughs> yeah. He had to clean it up a little bit. But <laughs> Mac Jones was quoted as saying, <laughs> yeah. quote, no, 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 Unquote. Mike's the greatest. By the way, I've got a crazy Twitter beef going on right now wow. with someone listening to our show. That's uh, I, I'll just have to tell you guys about it when we come back. Oh, okay, we'll do that. LSU, maybe he's beefing with our over-under here. Seven and a half wins. We discussed the Tigers and Brian Kelly's first year next on Outkick 360.